an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. And I got the next piece, which was, it's not about receiving only, but receiving my life is the gateway to the I am. I am life. Collapse of the duality. I am life. I have a nurse suit. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you're just floating out in space. I'm in partnership with a nurse suit. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Rachel Jane Groover. She is actually in Loveland, Colorado right now, which I find amazing because that's right up the road for me. She is a international speaker, teacher, author. She has helped over 36,000 students awaken and understand the process of awakening, which is what we're going to be talking about today. I'm really excited. She has written two best-selling books, Powerful and Feminine and Divine Breadcrumbs, which if you know anything (laughs) about the spiritual journey, you know that they're these little tiny breadcrumbs that you got to follow. So I thought that title was perfect. And she used to be a singer and songwriter in Australia, but moved to Loveland, Colorado. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you for being here. I'm just so excited to talk about this whole awakening process with you. Oh, and she has the awakened school. I I forgot to mention that, which is, you know, where she's taught 36,000 students how to awaken. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Pleasure, Amy. And I love this conversation, right? Of the process of awakening and and not just have this be something that's nebulous or like, what am I trying to move toward? Or sometimes, oh, I've already done it. Everything's fine. I've arrived. It's like, well, It's the process. Let's see. (laughs) Let's see in a few months. (laughs) Right, right, right. Things are always kind of popping up, but they pop up for your best good and to help you to become an even better version of yourself. So let's find out why you left singing and songwriting in Australia because you were singing to 40,000 people. So that's a huge accomplishment. What made you come to the United States and, and leave that behind? Yeah, there was a few things. One is I was kind of getting sick of entertaining only. I really wanted to inspire beyond just that evening beer, (laughs) five wines, whatever the person's, you know, doing as they're listening. So that was one. The second reason was I started watching Oprah 
And this is like to put some context on it. I was in my mid twenties, early twenties, mid twenties, and Oprah had started having all the guests. This is back in like 1999, 2000 kind of thing, right. where she started having Gary Zukov and Ian Levan Sand. It was very new that these kind of spiritual authors were on TV. And it was getting broadcasted to Australia where there was really nothing going on there as far as the personal and spiritual development realm. I mean, huh. beyond Tony Robbins coming once every two years, like it just wasn't the the vibe there. So through Oprah, I was like, this is happening in America. I mean, this is really happening. And like you, I was having very early, early onset stages of awakening <laughs> in my late teens and 20s. And it was like, where do I go? Because it right. wasn't happening to any mother beer, drinking friends. And I say that twice now because I'm Australian and we're known for drinking beer. And I think I'm the only Australian <laughs> who doesn't, has never drunken beer because I can't handle it. Wow. I've wow, wow. never been able to handle it. And now living in Colorado, I still haven't drunk it. Right. Any, which any is like beer. craft brewing, like exactly. central. <laughs> it's wasted on me. But Oprah was the second. I was skipping classes. I was in university at the time, just coming back to watch her at four o'clock in the afternoon have, you know, Dr. Phil or whoever it was. Right, on. Right. And I started realizing there's a whole industry that is about transformation and personal development, which I loved. And the third reason was I had the divine breadcrumb fall into my head of your man is there. He's not in oh, Australia. Oh, wow. So there was lots of reasons to try to find a way over there. And I thought it would be just to do singing over there, the first over here now. But the first time I came over, I, I visited a lot of universities and a lot of community colleges in the music department because I was teaching voice technique and stage presence and performance and all of that, as well as my singing career. And I was like, yeah, well, that's what I've got to do. Someone will sponsor me for that. That's really the only thing I can do. But nothing, nothing fell into place. It was, again, another divine breadcrumb is sometimes it not falling into place. Right. And I just went home with my tail between my legs and it wasn't until... Back to Australia? Back to Australia. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, I don't know how this is going to happen because I needed someone to sponsor me for a job. I didn't have a husband yet who was, right. you know, American. And so you, at that point too, it was very hard to move to America and get a work visa legally. And that's how I was, how I was, I was going to do it. So I went home and it wasn't until about six months later, I was on a couch with my friend and she said, I'm going to America and I feel like you're supposed to come with me. I'm like, well, I've oh, just wow. been six months ago and that's a pretty expensive trip. I mean, again, in my mid-20s, like in the, right. a ticket would be at least two grand and I'm a singer, so I have no money. And it's it. I knew I had to go. So I ended up trying to figure out how to. I entered my first singing competition that was not country music or folk music, which I was in. I'd done some competitions with that before, but it was just a competition for my university. It was two grand to win the prize. I'd never won anything, you know, like that. Won $2,000 right before I had to get a ticket to come oh, back. Oh my goodness. Came back and the retreat that we did was in Ashland, Oregon. I know this is kind of a long story short. It was with Neil Donald Walsh who wrote the Conversations with oh, God yeah. Books. Wow. And so we just thought, okay, we'll do this retreat and then we'll go somewhere else. Anyhow, long story, really short, I ended up getting a job with Neil and the foundation and working with them for six years. Wow. Really understand the industry. And, you know, he was doing retreats and workshops and books and 
So it was truly a divine intervention of like, yep, you are not going to be a singer anymore. Well, I do that in our events still. My husband's a bass player and we we usually surprise people with a full band entry for our tr- big trainings and events. And that's always fun. But those days were were ending, which I was really happy about because I was learning so much and growing so much and had a real love for not only spiritual development, but psychology and human potential and everything that creates transformation in someone's life. Like really when the rubber meets the road, it's changed. Not it's just, oh, I'm reading these wonderful books and I know so much, but my life's still a mess. (laughs) You know, like what's really creating change. So that's how I ended up here. Wow. What a story. So would you say that you had a dark night of the soul about when you had to go back to Australia or was that just like kind of, you know, when you're young, you're like, ah, it didn't work out. That was more or less the second. My dark night of the soul came into the experience in Ashland. So I was there for seven years before I moved to Colorado. I call it my spiritual college. It was a dark night of the soul because I had met a guy who lived there when I first arrived, like was there with Neil in the workshop and I thought he was the one. So went home, get all my stuff together. By the time I got back, he was not the one. He was (laughs) gone. And I'm like, whoa, I've just moved country for who I thought was my guy. So that was, you know, made the the first initial like challenge. There was a lot of spiritual teachers in Ashland. I was meeting a lot of them and having a big realization that the message was not the person, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. Can you explain? So often, and, and Neil would say this a lot, like, oh, I think I know what you mean. I'm not the mess. I'm not the message. I, I've got the message, but the man is trying to figure his life out because right. with conversations with God, if you people don't know that book, it, it really came through him. Mm-hmm. And so I was meeting a lot of people who were, you know, higher up in these worlds. But when I saw behind the curtain, there was many of them that were kind of in a mess, yeah. let's say not very nice or kind or, Ugh. and it was just a real hard thing to be with, you know, bright eyes and bushy tailed. So right. again, this is this is over 20 years ago now. So a lot's changed. And I actually just saw Neil a, a year or two ago and I had a great, great connection. So there's nothing like weird going on like that, but it was just the, the community of spiritual community. And I'm sure you've seen it, Amy, mm-hmm. and I'm sure other people have seen it, that in spiritual communities, sometimes they're the most screwed up people <laughs> then you know yeah i know it can be it's confusing which is why i'm happy you're here talking about the awakening process because you can there are a lot of pitfalls or things that can yeah. throw you off course one of which is like this toxic positivity another would be yeah. like thinking that you you can reach like the end you know and or quote unquote enlightenment you know like that yeah. you're not it's not always a process so there's lots right. of things and and of course just to remind you the listener i I started meditating and it was only for stress relief. And then all Mm -hmm. the gifts started opening up. And then I was having interactions with spirits that some of them were good and some of them weren't. So like that could be another pitfall if you don't know what Mm -hmm. you're doing. Well, that was like kind of the first dark night of the soul, but it was only small. My real dark night of the soul was when I stayed in that job years longer than I wanted to, because Mm -hmm. I wanted to do my own thing. 
I had a purpose. I knew I wasn't meant to get Neil's tissue box all ready for him on his stage. I was meant to take my stage, but I was scared just out of my wits. You know, I don't have a paycheck then and all the things that people go through when they want to jump into their own work. And a lot of people are saying, you know, you're not going to be able to do that because no one knows you. At least everyone knows Neil, these other people, they're famous already and blah, 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 blah. So I just stayed until I hurt my back. And that was, again, another divine breadcrumb of when spirit and source and movement is calling you and you're like, no, 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 something is going to hit you by the two by four. And so I had a very, very significant back injury when I was traveling for work in London and England, got stuck there for months. I couldn't <gasps> walk, couldn't move, had to wow. stretch me back on the plane eventually in a few months. And I was in the most excruciating pain you could probably imagine for about two and a half years. Whoa. So and can I just ask well, what what kind of back injury did you have? Because I broke my lower back, L5. Yeah. So L3, 4, and 5 were bulging discs early on in my life, in my tennis career, amateur tennis, tennis career. Got over that through strengthening my back and strengthening my body. Didn't have surgery. And this was like that susceptibility mm -hmm. and yeah. picked up something and bam, and it was all over. And I, it lasted such a long time because I did not want to have surgery. People were saying, you don't need to, but it's going to be a long road back. And it was, but the emotional, spiritual, mental dark night of the soul that that was, was difficult. And at the same time, I had just met my husband. I had started, well, not met him, actually. We just started dating. 30 days before my back went out, I started oh, wow. dating Dada. We'd known each other for three years prior, just through Toastmasters and being friends and things. But so it was kind of like the worst time of my life and the best time of my life all at the same time. But I knew that I took responsibility for that injury going, that was the way to kick me out of a job that I had been saying for three years, I don't want to be in this. And the mm -hmm. universe will always find a way and it found <laughs> a way and yes. I couldn't work anymore. And so that started my, my business. The first few years of my business were literally from my bed. I don't want to make it dramatic, but it's often, as you know, when people see your life now, my life now is completely blessed. I have an amazing home here and 35 acres and the husband and the health and the fitness and the the energy and the work and the things. But, you know, I mean, I was, I, we went through bankruptcy. I've been through massive chronic pain. I have been through a lot of things as this process of awakening is also occurring. Mm. Thank you for sharing all that. That I it it's funny because I don't often re refer to when I broke my back. I was 16 years old as a dark night of the soul, but it truly was. I mean, yeah. I was on my back for nine months, and then I had another year of recovery because it, you know a lot happens when you're laying it's on your back. Tough. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And then I'm curious, like, so you've taught so many people through this process. What do you think like the stages are or how can you explain it better mm -hmm. so that people can understand what it means to become awakened and live and walk this journey? Yeah. Yeah. So 
I mean, I think everyone understands who's listening to you and, and being in your tribe that we start off by trying to survive our life, you know, like a child <laughs> yes. or whatever. We're just, yeah. just trying point. to survive our life. And uh, and then there comes a point where we we who who want who are pulled onto that spiritual or personal development path. It doesn't have to be spiritual in the beginning, but it, it, it starts to move to this like, okay, I don't need to necessarily just survive. I'm going to find it. And so we go out and search and we read and we, who am I? And all of that kind of thing. And if we stay with that long enough and we commit to that long enough, we naturally move to the next phase of awakening, which to me, I call the creating your life. Oh, I know who I am. I know I'm a spiritual being. I know I'm, you know, whatever. I've listened to Oprah enough times. Now I'm going to create my life. You know, I'm going to create it. And then people I see move on to more of that law of attraction path and being very more conscious in their intentions and their creations, which is wonderful because Mm -hmm. it's a higher level than surviving and just trying to find who I am. Like there's a, there's a real intentional co-creation to it. And that was kind of where I was about five years. I'm going to interweave a story here because that will illustrate what happened. It was a a year of a significant up level in spiritual awakening. So I was creating my life, let's call it about five years ago. You know, business was great and life was great and love was great and all of that. But I knew that what Eckhart Tolle was talking about with his experience and you know, other gurus. I'm like, that has not happened to me. My my mind is still chattering. I still compare myself to others. I still have anxiety once every three weeks on a Sunday night as I think about <laughs> money or, blah, blah, blah. you know, I, I knew I had the humility to know mm-hmm. that the Eckhart Tolle experience had not happened, right? Even though I had grown so much. And I think a lot of people that knew me would have probably called me one of the most evolved people that they knew. Hmm. So I, there was evolution happening, extreme intention, and a lot of self-reflection and a lot of shadow work had already been done, Enneagram had already been done, like a lot of those pieces that had been done. But I was sitting on the couch on January 1st, and I said, well, what's my next kind of frontier? What's my next goal? And I was writing things, you know, hit this goal and hit that goal. And what came through was you don't believe that you can reach enlightenment this lifetime. There's something about your system that doesn't think that that's going to happen this lifetime. And to me, the word enlightenment is kind of, well, I have a bit of a push-pull dynamic. You know, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not, you know, non-dual and I'm not dual. I just kind of like what works. Right. (laughs) I know what works. If it's going to go silent, it worked. If if I'm going to be triggered, it didn't work. So so I was really kind of like, but I knew what it meant to, to me at that, at that, at that moment, it's yeah, the mind has got gone extremely quiet. The, the body also is not dealing with the anger and the anxiety and kind of the contractions that it does when it is connected to the mind. And I know that I'm not who I thought I was as Rachel Jane. I knew it had something to do with the identification of being Rachel Jane. And so I did some investigation of that. I was like, yeah, that's true. I don't, I, there's something in me, even though I've been on a spiritual path for a long time, that that, you know, guru master thing is not going to happen this lifetime. That takes lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. So I, I decided. And you were certain you didn't have lifetimes before? 
that were like this? No, I knew I had lifetimes before that were like what I was in now. Right. But I did not, I did not have the wherewithal or the, the idea consciously that I had proceeded to where I am now versus five years ago. I wasn't aware that that had happened. Okay. Right. So I was kind of like, yeah. yeah. And so I made a decision that day. I want to take this all the way and I want to do it this lifetime. And so that spun off as all good intentions do the showing me where I had fallen into the traps, where was the pieces that needed to unwind in order for the opening to occur. So it's like flashback, flash forward. I just wanted to give that context of how I felt because I think a lot of people that listen to you and listen to me, they think they're further along sometimes than they are. And they are actually further along than what they think they are. I mean, it just <laughs> right. depends, right? I was actually feeling I wasn't along as far as I actually was, but it was showing me very specific things. So a few months after that, I was in Hawaii and I decided to write my third book. And Divine Breadcrumbs was a complete download in four days. And it was not the book that I was expecting to write. So I decided I'm going to do that again. I'm going to go not knowing whatever the title or topic was. And what came through was a very clear conversation with this voice saying, well, we'll ask the the most important question that you have in your life. And that's what the book's going to be on. And so I thought about it. The most important question was, is it possible for me to reach enlightenment this lifetime? And so the book is this voice telling me, all the ways that I wasn't. And I was like almost coaching me through this book experience. I'm really looking forward. That's going to come out next year. Um, That sounds incredible. Yeah, it was very incredible because I was in a highly receptive state for four days. And then I moved to another island on Hawaii and started going into an altered, I'm doing air quotes here, altered reality for weeks kind of not knowing what was happening. I'd had some of these four tastes earlier on in my life, but I was lucky that I was with some of my most inner circle clients who were like going, something's happening to her. I mean, I've seen Rachel Jane in a, you know, in an elevated state, but this was different. (laughs) (laughs) So I was working with that. And I say that because this, going back to creating your life, I didn't know what was the next step in the process and what the book told me and what this experience over the next few weeks told me was you have to move from, I'm creating my life, I'm intending it, I'm going to do it, to receiving your life. Yes. And I already, you know, I'd listened to Abraham Hicks for 20 years. I've done all, you know, like receptive mode, you got to be in the receiving experience, but I didn't realize how I was not in the receiving. I knew when I was, but what was creating me not continually just receiving. And so when I moved to the other island, I just was like, okay, I'm going to receive it. I had a, I had a four-day training that people were flying from all over the world. It was the first time I was ever doing it. And I'm like, I've got to just receive it. And that like would have freaked the old Rachel Jane out because they're paying a lot of money and flying from all over. And I'm like, I have no plan. (laughs) I'm just going to receive it every session. And I'm like, yep, that's what I'm, so I had a, you know, I had a conversation with them. I said, this is my 
this is my thing. Are you okay if I just receive what's happening? And it was off the charts. So that is the next piece, the receiving your life. And then a year later, I knew I wasn't done, if you're ever done, because the mind in Hawaii, the mind went silent. I mean, it was discombobulating for a few months because I'm an ambitious person. And so I'm like, am I ever going to want to do anything ever again? Because nothing is happening. I am just happy not wanting anything. And so that was happening. I knew it was significant, but I knew it was not done because my husband, who's also on a spiritual path, a different kind of spiritual path, but similar to a certain degree, every now and then he would say to me, when I would say what was happening internally, and you know, it's hard to explain to someone else what's happening internally. Yeah. Whenever I would say to him something significant, he would say, well, how do you know? I mean, you could just be making that up. <laughs> and, you know, when it was first happening, he was like, well, what if, what if this book is steering in the wrong direction? And there's that little part of me, I'm sure everyone who's married knows how it feels like, why are you like, can't you be happy for me? Or it was kind of that. And the foundational phrase that would come through my mind is you just don't realize how special this is of what's happening to me. And that was showing me it's not done. There is an ego still there trying to take credit <laughs> for this spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. It's trying to take credit. And I think that's one of the first traps that happens. And it happened to me prior where I was in this, you know, a spiritual experience of seeing how the matrix works and seeing, you know, all of that. But then the ego would contract back in. I think of it as expanded and contraction. You know, expansion is the infinite presence of God, spirit, source, whatever you call it. It's coming through an earth suit, which is a contraction. The mind contracts, the heart contracts and open, the gut contracts and open. So this infinite presence is coming through. And to the degree that you are open, mind, heart, gut center, the more you can allow that to be. And so that was happening, but it would always contract back with a thought of like, oh, this is so cool. It's happening to me, in quotes, me, I, special person. And so I could see that happening again. So I worked with that for about a year, like that. It's just you're not taking credit for something that isn't me. It's all that is. And I went to a silent retreat at the end of that time. And I really did deep contemplation into the, who is the me? What is the me beyond that? I I'd already got the answer kind of intellectually, but really stayed in it for seven days, not going anywhere. And I got wow. the next piece, which was, it's not about receiving only, but receiving my life is the gateway to the I am. I am life. Collapse of the duality. I am life. I have a nurse suit. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you're just floating out in space. I'm in partnership with a nurse suit. Earth suit is what she's saying. It's, <laughs> at first, I thought you said nurse suit, but earth suit. Yeah, earth suit. Accent. Yes. You know, my physical body, my energetic field, it's a receptive channel. 
but so so the first thing of of I am receiving my life it forced me to get really good at my energy and physical physicality being more receptive and the more and more receptive I became the more this is what it felt like to me I was sucked through without my permission through the portal of I am life and where it stuck not just was a knowledge or aha moment where you embodied it yes there's just a knowing that was four years ago I can't even think of really I mean my husband may have triggered me three times in four years very minuscule where that was not what was happening before this experience (laughs) I mean I was pretty good human but like something was significantly so that's what I mean by embodied there's still you know but it just it was significantly different and I knew the I am and the the ego is the contraction of what everything's getting focused through. And so I like saying now a spiritual awakening is less about finding something because that's what it feels like to a lot of people when they're right. on that finding, creating, receiving. I'm going to, it's less about finding something and more about unwinding something. Right. And if I can un- unwind all of these contractions in the energetic field of the earth suit, which I had been teaching a lot of, then the infinite life experience, you and me, the energy behind your eyes is the same energy behind my eyes, became a consistent experience versus like a meditative experience. Oh, I can see that. And then back it goes. It had held because of the 20 years work I had done prior, you know, like, right. like you, not only on meditation, but on the physical form within the spiritual awakening process, the psychological piece around the spiritual awakening piece. And I find that people get trapped because they're only doing either the spiritual work and they're not doing the therapeutic work, or they're not doing, like you said, the, the shadow or the dark night of the soul. And so when they have those experiences, it's always going to kick back. It's always going to kick back because they've not gone through the eye of the needle in that. You have to go to the to the mouth of the tiger, the eye of the needle. Like you, it, it's not pretty. <laughs> it, it's not pretty. And and but right. if you have the courage to do that, then that dissolves, and there is more unwinding that occurs. So I'll stop there if you have any questions. But I do kind of the process. I love, that. I love the way you explain that. The way that it makes sense to me is. When you do all this like releasing, you know, what we're talking about, it it just becomes clear. Like I view the world as like a movie that I am watching rather than being pulled into it. And, and, and there's, there's moments where of course I'm pulled in and, you know, I get triggered or whatever, but it's easier to release because we understand that bigger picture. And I remember when I used to meditate, when I first started meditating, I, I, I was doing 15 minutes and I was scared to do that, but then I loved it. So I went, worked my way up to two hours. I would experience the infinite uh, like pretty often. And I would be like, wow, we really are connected. We really are one. And so even still to this day, I have problems like killing a spider or, you know, cutting down some trees that are alive or not trees, right. I don't cut down trees, but like right. vines and things like that. So 
it sounds like that's what you're talking about is just this releasing of these points of ego, I guess, where we experience this thing, you know, and it's the only way that it must be like, we're just like, there's too many possibilities here. Like if you start releasing it, you're just like, I have no, I, I am, I, I know enough to know that I don't know it enough. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So is that what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I got that early on of like, you know, we're all interconnected. It's important to be compassionate to other people, all those things. But I didn't, I didn't kind of get what people meant by you're not a person. You ever heard anyone talk about their guru or their, their spiritual awakening? They're like, I had to realize I'm not a person. And I didn't get what that meant in a way. Like, well, you are a person. So what are you talking about? It is hard to manage the two. It's hard, very difficult to manage the two. And how I think about that now going through the process of, I know I'm not a person is not that I don't have an earth suit, not, not that the infinite is not using an earth suit that we've named Rachel Jane. And not that I'm not using and getting better at an, a receptive energetic field. All of that is occurring. But what's using my earth suit is not me. Right. Where five years ago, it felt like it was Rachel Jane who was getting good at the earth suit and the energetic at the earth, you know. And so that is what has gone. The identification that what's using me, little Mm. M, is big Rachel Jane. And I knew that philosophically, but I didn't know it experientially until I spent days and a year year in receptivity, 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 you know, open, open, open. Where am I contracting? Open, open. And I think that spiritual awakening when, not that it's done because it definitely doesn't feel done to me, but a big piece was done when you get pulled through this vortex in a way of now you're not a person, you are life and you are not interconnected. You are interconnectivity itself. When that happens, then like the bottom can't hold the, the, the triggers. The, it just, there's nothing to hold on to because there's no identification that keeps holding on. So to me, it felt like the only thing I can do intentionally is get better at receptivity and get close enough to the vortex that it will suck me through because it's not me, Rachel Jane, who's going, I'm going to go through, I'm spiritually awakening. (laughs) It's the more that you do that, the less you get close. Yeah. I I can get so far, but as you probably heard, when it's time, it's time. Mm. When it's time, it's time. And it was my time to have a significant experience for that unwinding then to go even more and go even, even more. That is really cool. And I'm excited to hear what you have coming up next. And this receptivity that you talk about is definitely part of the feminine energy. Am I correct? I mean, well, I talk about it as yin and yang because the men have to be absolutely just as receptive. So I think when in our art of feminine presence work, which is the first body of work I, I did many, many years ago, and we went around the world doing that, and it was kind of the first thing that put us on the map. I would say to the ladies, I really, really want you to say feminine essence and masculine essence 
that is different to yin and yang. So I put receptive and active as this yin and yang. We we both need it as women to be receptive and also taking action in this earth suit. Now, and when right. we have a balance of it, it's it's best. Right. And we have a feminine essence. Not every woman does, but the, the sexual essence, is it more feminine or is it more masculine? Right. And you and your wife might know there's polarity in that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like yeah. it's just we're all the same. And for me, my husband, I'm definitely the feminine sexual essence and his masculine sexual essence. So men, women, whatever, receptive. How do you do that? Well, you can even just do one thing as we continue to wrap this up and, and talk is are your hands now open to receive or are mm. they? just your hands. You know, when you're driving somewhere, if you're listening to this in the car or you're doing the dishes, are you receiving those dishes? Are you receiving the the road in front of you? Mm. And when you go into that, it will it will start pulsing in a different way in your in your experience. You know that when you're receiving messages, Amy, and you're receiving you know, your divine breadcrumbs, you you know, that's it. But how do we keep that going so we can build up the stamina that that's the usual stage of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we have this opportunity to then be pulled to the next versus keep reverting back to, but I'm creating it. I'm creating. It. So why didn't I create this? Why, 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 why did that happen? Why didn't I create this? Did I do something wrong? I've been on this path for so long. I should be done with this. That's what happens in overdrive when people get stuck mm. in that I'm creating, creating it, creating it, creating it phase. So the the receiving is the gateway to what I call unshakable inner peace. So wherever you feel like you're on listeners, wherever you feel like you're on that thing, you're getting to receiving or you're there. And that's what's got to get really, really solid next. Right. So just being really present with yourself. I do notice sometimes like my hands are gripping or, you know, they're not relaxed or something like that. And when I'm like sleep, trying to go to sleep, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you holding on to? Or I'm getting a massage and I'm like, Amy, relax your hands, you know? So it's important to be cognizant of the body, but also take in what you're doing and what you're experiencing and the smells and the sounds. Like, that's why I love going on vacation to somewhere new because it opens all these senses that makes totally. Yeah, it helps with the receiving. So that's a great tip. You've shared so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? You know, a usual retreat of ours is four to six days long. I can talk for a long time. <laughs> so I, I, you got to shut me up. I mean, I, I will say that if anyone wants to do a free mini retreat with me just to get a few hours under your belt of what I'm talking about, they can go to unwaveringstillness.com. I know you've got the link to that. And we do a lot of things with the Awaken School. It's it's definitely for people who've been on a personal and spiritual development path for decades or a good few years, but solidly. It's not a 101 kind of process right? because they don't really understand it. And there is that you have to go through the stages. There's no mm-hmm. kind of getting getting through scot-free with any of those. So we're really focused on people who have been on the path for a long time, different relig- religions, different spiritual paths, but they are looking for that unshakable inner peace. They have the humility to know it's not 
completely happened yet for them. And so if anyone ever wants to join us for an event, then you can go to theawakenschool.com. We've got things going on all of the time. Right. And you have a free membership where you, there are some classes that they can take, right? Absolutely. We have a lot of free classes online and some in person. So you could go to theawakenedschool.com. It's with the ED at the end, theawakenedschool.com. And yeah, sign up for a free membership because we have lots of challenges and free masterclasses and things like that people can do from anywhere in the world. So amazing. Thank you so much. Your husband sounds like he's doing some great things too with helping people to write their books and also helping people on their spiritual journey. So you are a wonderful couple sharing your wisdom and light with the world. So thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me and for your questions. I really appreciate because it, it, it just shows how much you understand and how much you've been committed. Oh, to thank your you. Path. I have been committed. I don't know how much I understand, but I've been committed. Oh, no. Oh, I can feel it. And if okay. anyone, I've got the pleasure of seeing Amy's very, very bright, beautiful, energetic field here. And oh, thank you. it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And the commitment's all over you everyone else is listening to your voice and hopefully can hear it through your voice. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Spirit says I do heal through my voice. (laughs) Yes, I can. I can hear that. You've got a really amazing voice and me being a singer, I'm usually tuned into that. Are you a Taurus? I am on the cusp, actually. You're on the cusp, yes. I'm a triple Taurus, a quadruple Taurus. I didn't know know the Taurus had great voices, but my son is a Taurus and his voice I just love listening to his voice. So each point has a center, energetic center, that is their strength and their weakness. And you can relate to that. Usually (laughs) our strength is our weakness. And the Taurian is the voice. And so that's part of it, but also you're, you're in your body and you, you have a deep resonance with what you're talking about and all of that just comes through your voice. It's really, oh, thank really you. Great. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I had a wild dream recently where I was putting a diamond in the back of my throat, like a, actually, sorry, not putting it, activating one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the back, do you know the importance of the back? Of the throat? Yes. No. Any part of the back. When you go to the back half of your body, it will put you into this no mind receptive place. When Mm. you're in the front half, it won't. You are the first person to validate. (laughs) I have been telling people all I know that when I started meditating, I would push my mind to the back. Yes. That's the only way that I know how to explain it. (laughs) Well, is it pushing the mind to the back or allowing it? You're putting your attention on the back of your skull. You're allowing that to, to your attention is moving to the back. Yeah, I, it's how I, I, I did the Denver Science Museum mental challenge where you have to let go as quickly as possible. And then it shoots this ball across into uh-huh. a hole. And I did it in like a second. And everybody else had struggled. A ball had gone back and forth. And I said, yeah. every, the whole crowd just like screamed when I did it. And they were like, what did you do? And I was like, the only thing I can tell you is I just relax and let it go to the back. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So play with that in the back of your throat. You are already in the back of your throat. So that's why it sounds great. And it's resonant. (laughs) And just just start going down the heart, the the womb space, the whole back body is going to put you in like it's like anchoring. You know, we're so used to being in the front. Right. 
And that's where we've anchored. And then we have to go to into meditation to do that. What I've trained myself to do is be in the back the whole time. Oh, wow. Okay. I can do that. The diamond was the (laughs) the dream right on. Wow. It's been so fun talking to you. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. If you love today's podcast, you're going to love the UR Energy course. I'm going to drop the link below so you can pick up that course. I go much more in depth about the science behind healing and I share the tools and techniques that I use every single day to help my body heal. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist. 